0: Helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian certified counselor and award winning psychotherapist.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. The topic for today's show is Isaac the Traumatized Son. Michael will be using the biblical story of Isaac found in Genesis 22 verses 6 to 19 to discuss the long-term impact of unresolved trauma. If you are new to this show, We are on the air every Monday at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization by going to Elim Counseling Ministry, Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com or by calling 1-877-544-3546. ELIM is a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Let's go right into today's show.
0: Today's show, Isaac, the Traumatized Son... It's a very important topic because there are many people in today's society that is suffering from some kind of trauma. So even though we are pulling from a biblical narrative that is thousands of years old, the story is relevant for today. Many people have PTSD-type symptoms as a result of trauma that they have suffered a long time ago. So in today's show, we are going to be using this story of Isaac, as found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 6 to 19. And we will be looking at the relevance of this passage for today's time. We will be looking at the trauma in the text itself. But from there, we are going to be examining and bringing to life uh the the different effects of trauma and how it affected Isaac and how it affects people today. And also, we'll be looking at what can be done if you're suffering from trauma. So, let me go right to the text. Genesis chapter 22, verses 6 to 19. I won't be reading the entire section, but if you do have your Bibles with you, or your cell phone for that matter, with, with your biblical app on it, your Bible app on it, then you can you can read the entire section to get a full understanding of what is involved. But I'll just be reading the this, the main part that deals with the charm, and I think that we can read from 6 to 10 as a way of capturing the essence of the entire passage. Verse 6 starts as follows, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. your son, your only son. So I think we stop there at verse 12. So verse 6 to 12 is where we read. So if we read this passage too quickly we miss the trauma that is involved in this text because we think more about this passage in terms of the the resolution that comes to the the narrative in that abraham did not have to offer his son and we we think that everything is okay because the the sacrifice did not take place. But if we look at verse 9 and 10 in particular and focus on what is involved there, we can get an idea of the, the trauma. So here we have a boy who is old enough to carry wood up a mountain. So he must have been strong enough to to, to make that trip and to be old enough to realize what was happening. And as they ascended this mountain to offer the sacrifice, Isaac is is beginning to ask, is to begin to wonder that what's really going on? There's something different here. Usually when we go to offer a sacrifice, there is a lamb. I see the wood for the burnt offering. I see the knife that my father is going to use to sacrifice this animal. But where is the animal? So, so in Genesis 22, verse 7, he asks his father the question, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And so, he's old enough to realize the significance of what is happening. But then from there, we are told in verse 10 that, Abraham tied up Isaac and placed him on the altar. And Abraham and Isaac is now placed on this surface with wood that is going to be set ablaze. And he is realizing that he is going to be the sacrifice. He's tied up. Isaac must have been kicking and screaming as his father started tying him up. He must have been horrified when he was placed on the altar. And even more horrified as his father raised his hand with a knife in an action that signified he was about to be killed. Any child in that situation would be traumatized by this experience. We often read this text and we go right to the resolution and we breathe a sigh of relief that thank God he didn't have to kill his son, but we miss the trauma. So as I explain this, I hope you are beginning to get an understanding of the trauma that Isaac was traumatized by this event and it's possible that Isaac was never the same again after this incident. How could he? It is also possible that the relationship between Abraham and Isaac was never the same again. And I and I will give evidence of that as we go through this show, but we'll come to that in a little while. So let's backtrack a little and talk about this narrative and, and what the narrative is telling us about, about this this family, this father and this son. So, The narrative painted a picture of a father and a son going together up the mountain. For example, in verse 8, we are told that the two of them went together up the mountain and the, the words the word they is used several time times in the narrative but we begin to get a picture that something is shifting in the narrative when we come to verse 19 because in verse 19 when they descend from the mountain we are told about Abraham only so let's read verse 19 verse 19 says then Abraham returned to his servants And they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So my question is, where is Isaac? What had happened to Isaac? The narrative doesn't say, but I think there is something there that is implying that the that they have, this father and son relationship was not the same as when they went up to the mountain. Going up the mountain, they were together, the father and son together. But coming down the mountain, we are told about Abraham only going to Beersheba. And I think there is a hint there that trauma changes the family system. When someone who is supposed to protect protect and care for you and provide for you, betray you and hurt you in a way that you are traumatized. The relationship is never the same again. So we often read this story and we breathe a sigh of relief when we come to the point where we are told the angel intervened, but we fail to see the nuances in the text that something has shifted and we get the first hint of that in verse 19. we often thank God that the angel intervened in time to to save Isaac's life and that Isaac and that Abraham didn't kill his son we breathe a sigh of relief and think that life continued as before for Abraham and Isaac but life may never have gone back to normal and we will we will see more evidences of that as we, as we go through. So trauma changes the family system. So now let us talk about evidence from scriptures that show that the relationship between Isaac and Abraham never went back to the same. So, so far we have talked about them going up to the mountain together and Coming down, we see there there is this division that is implied. But did you know that this scripture, this question that Isaac asked, where is the lamb for the burnt offering, was the last interaction in scripture between Abraham and Isaac. There is nothing else that is recorded after that that showed any kind of conversation between Abraham and Isaac. Is it possible that this experience changed both men so, changed father and son so much that the relationship was broken after that? When a father traumatized a child by incest or by physical abuse, there is a sense in which the relationship can never go back to what it was before. And scripture, uh, Scripture documents that there is no conversation between Isaac and Abraham after that. But what else is interesting is that when, when Abraham came to the last stages of his life, and the Bible tells us that he was now very old and he's on his deathbed, so to speak, in Genesis 24, Verse one, we have no mention that Isaac was present. Usually in those days when the patriarch of a family is about to pass on and he has important information that he's given to the the generation to, to the to the generation that is going to continue life, they would call the oldest son and they would they would pronounce a blessing on the oldest son. But when it comes to Abraham and Isaac at the close of Abraham's life, in Genesis twenty four and verse 1, we are told that Abraham called his senior servant of his household and gave him instruction to pass on to Isaac. This is strange because it means that there is something happening here where Abraham is not speaking to Isaac directly. Could it be that the rift that took place at Mount Moriah where the sacrifice of Isaac was about to take place... Interrupted their relationship, and they never got back together. This is totally different than what we saw when Isaac became old, and he he was about to depart this life. We are told in Genesis twenty-seven verse one, and I'll read that section. It says, "When Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Isaac, his older son. So when Isaac was reached the age of Abraham, where isaac was now old and about to pass away from this life he called his oldest son esau and 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 he he wanted to pronounce this blessing upon esau but what is very interesting from scripture is that we have no such blessing of isaac by abraham The the two men did not speak after the Mount Moriah incident, uh, as far as we are told in Scripture. So another thing that we find interesting that shows that this family system was changed by the trauma that happened on on the mountain in Mount Moriah is that, Isaac was not mentioned at all in the narrative of his mother's death in verse in Genesis 23. There is no mention that Isaac was present for his mother's death. Some of the some of the documents that have been written from uh by, by in Jewish literature about this experience said that uh Sarah died of a broken heart when she was told that Abraham had gone up to the mountain to sacrifice her son. And so it's possible that this trauma not only affected Isaac, but it also affected his mother who died shortly after. So there is no mention that Isaac was at this funeral. But what is also very interesting or and, and I find this very ironic that the only time that Abraham and Isaac is mentioned together again is at Abraham's death. And we are, we are told in that passage uh, that that talks about his death that He's, he's about to be buried and, and it says then Abraham breathed his, his last and died at a good old age an old man and full of years and he was gathered to his people and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cage of Machpelah so this is also giving us some insight. and there is something deep here in this last part that tells us that Isaac and Ishmael is present because if we if we read the the entire uh history of Abraham's family we will see that that Ishmael was also in a sense sacrificed by by Abraham. Ishmael was sent off with his mother into the desert and the, there was a, a risk of her of him dying with his mother in the desert because of a rift in the family between Hagar and Sarah. And so Isaac Ishmael was sacrificed in that way, but Isaac was also going to be offered as a sacrifice and Mount his father was willing to offer him as a sacrifice. So here in this passage, we have the two sons who were sacrificed in some way coming together at their father's death, but no mention of them, either of them being with their father after the Incident in which they were quote unquote sacrificed, and so this 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 history or this this deeper look at the scripture would suggest that there is something there that shows that there is a change. The family system has been changed by the trauma that took place on Mount Moriah where in Genesis 22, where Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Theologians have wrestled for centuries as to what why would God tell Abraham to why would God test Abraham in this way to offer his son as a sacrifice. But what is even more 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 uh more what is even harder for theologians to understand is why didn't Abraham plead with God and said, God, no, I can't offer my son. I, I don't want God. Please find some other way of testing me. I will not offer my son. We see that when God told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, that Abraham pleaded with God and he had this long conversation with God conversation with God uh, pleading with God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah so why is it that we didn't have the same kind of pleading from Abraham for his son Isaac could there be something else that was going on in the family system that made this easier for Abraham to do Those those are just questions Michael will be right back
1: you have been listening to the Live Transformation Show, where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Isaac the Traumatized Son. You can find out more about us at ElimCounselingMinistry.com, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael.
0: So trauma, the trauma of Isaac is very evident from the scripture. And we're going to be looking at evidence for this as we, as we go through. But let us talk t- talk a little bit about what trauma is in terms of the neuroscience behind trauma. When someone is traumatized, when someone has the kind of experience that, Isaac had on the mountain where they, they, they felt powerless and their life was at risk, for example, or they were raped and they felt powerless because they were no match for the person who raped or sexually abused them that kind of trauma increase the stress hormone cortisol and there's he- elevated heart rate and blood pressure and there is all kind of of changes that take place in the in the glucose level in in the blood and so the elevated cortisol also suppresses the prefrontal cortex activity, impairing a person's judgment and their ability to regulate their behavior and plan for the future. But another thing we know from the effect of trauma is that trauma, the cortisol level that that, that comes from trauma. The higher cortisol, cortisol level can affect this part of the brain called the hippocampus and thereby weak, thereby lessening our uh, ability to have short term memory and prevent a person from distinguishing between real and imagined threats. So people who have undergone trauma can get to this place where They're, they're afraid of everything and they can't be rational about what is realistic fear, what is rational fear, and what is not rational. And we also know from studies that were done that lower serotonin levels in people who are traumatized lead to higher heightened sense of anger and pain. And as a result, they can perceive things more negatively. They can see people as more threatening than they really are. So, what are the facts that we have from Scripture that... Isaac was traumatized. I'm going to speak about three specific things that we see from Scripture that show that Isaac suffered from some kind of trauma as a result of what happened on the mountain when he was about to be sacrificed by his father. The first sign of that trauma is found in Genesis 26, verse 1 to 10, where we are told that Isaac had this heightened fear that he was about to be killed that he would be killed by the Philistines and that they would take his his wife Rebecca because she was so beautiful that they would take her and they would kill him. But what is what is ironic from that text is that when Abraham lied that not Abraham, but when Isaac lied that Rebecca was his sister and put her in danger of having sexual relations with King Abimelech, that when the king found out that she was actually his wife, the king said to Isaac what have you done you you could have caused us to do something immoral that would cause us to be guilty so in effect what a, what Isaac was thinking was thinking about King Abimelech and about the people in that country was t- so far from the truth that they were actually doing the opposite. They were more conscious about morality and about and and about not sleeping with someone who is married than thinking of killing him to get her as a wife. So that passage tells us that the fear that. Isaac had was not realistic, and people who are traumatized often have heightened sense of danger that is not based in reality. One of the signs of trauma is the startle effect the startle response whereas a lot of people who are traumatized they startle very easily you know those people if you walk up behind them they will jump and they will become afraid and you know they will jump like you know someone is about to kill them. that is often a sign of unresolved trauma, because what is happening there is that their nervous system is preparing for some kind of danger that doesn't exist. Maybe you just walked up to them to say, hi, how are you? But just the fact that they couldn't see your approach make them startle and respond as if they were about to be killed. So we see Isaac here in Genesis 26, 1 to 10, re- responding in a way that was totally irrational, had a fear that was totally irrational. We also note see that cognitive impairment is one of the sign of trauma. And so in this, in the story of how Isaac dealt With his sons, Esau and Jacob, we can see that he wasn't totally rational. There was something that was off cognitively. When it came to, when it came to the end of Isaac's life where he was about to bless his son, we are told that he called he called Isaac, but there was a deception where his wife, Rebecca, deceived him in trying to bless his son Jacob instead. And he's talking to Jacob, and Jacob's voice sounds like Jacob, but he wants to bless Esau, he can't see well at that time. And he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. That should have been a clear sign right there that there was something wrong, that this was a plot. But Isaac didn't take clue, didn't didn't clue in to what was going on. And as a result of that, he fell prey to the deception that his wife Rebecca and Jacob had come up with to trick him into blessing the wrong son. And so cognitive impairment is a sign of someone who has been traumatized. It's often a sign of someone who has been traumatized. But then the third sign of traumatization that we see in Isaac's life is powerlessness. We are told by psychologists that, Powerlessness is a primary trait of trauma and we can understand the root of powerlessness in trauma victim because at some point in the trauma experience, they felt totally powerless to do anything to stop it or to avoid what was taking place. And we saw that powerlessness in Isaac's childhood where he was tied up by his father. That's powerlessness. He's bound and placed on an altar. And in this relationship that he's in with Rebecca, he's still acting as if he's bound. He's still acting as if he's powerless to change his circumstances. So we read nothing of him confronting Rebecca after the deception. We read nothing of him confronting Jacob about the deception. He behaved as if it was a done Deal, the blessing had been given to the wrong son, and now life just continues. As is. And so people who are powerless often behave just like that. And so we are quickly out of time today, so we have to stop here. I'll continue this show next week as we'll do part two and we'll look at some of what you can do if you're suffering from post traumatic stress symptoms. So I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show, and I pray that. As you listen to these show, you would find uh, something in them that that can be helpful to you. We have over 200 shows on our YouTube channel that you can find by going to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. If you go to that website, you will also find the means of donating to this show. We are a non-profit organization that depends on your donation to stay on the air and to continue to provide subsidized counseling to those in need. We also want to remind you that you can become a Patreon of this show by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash counseling where you can contribute as little as $5 monthly to keep us on the air. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.